This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenault. Two years ago, on episode 85, All Things MCU, we looked at the latest Marvel news that came out during the D23 conference. We chatted about upcoming movies like Black Widow, The Eternals, and Shang-Chi, and the new exciting TV development with projects like WandaVision, Moon Knight, and The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. These were all just tiny glimmers of ideas that we had to speculate on how they would turn out. You could argue that has mostly been a mixed bag in terms of how successful everything was, but we are back with a whole new slate of Marvel projects to discuss because in late July at Comic-Con this year, Marvel made some pretty big announcements. Joining once again is Sammy Felchenfeld, our resident geek expert, to talk about phases 4, 5, and 6 of the MCU. How are you doing, Sammy? I'm well, and I'm ready to talk Marvel. I've been waiting two years in the, the hibernation bay since our last episode about this. I haven't done anything else since then, so I'm ready to talk about it. Is that supposed to be like a Star Wars reference or something? I don't I'm know. Con- <laughs> uh, this so, is me thinking on the spot. You're right. Yeah, I should never ask you to, to be funny on the spot, should I? <laughs> uh, now, as I mentioned earlier, we were talking about we, we didn't really know what the idea was for all of these projects, you know, talking about Black Widow, the Eternal, Shang-Chi, Moon Knight, Falcon and Winter Soldier, all that sort of stuff. Would you agree that it's sort of been a mixed bag as far as the quality of them? Oh yeah, I I would definitely agree. It's been it's been a bit of a mixed bag, and I think that it's been, uh, it's we'll get into this, but it's been a little tonally all over the place. Yeah, I think so as well. I, I think that too because it's interesting. I know a lot of people. That was the that was the big common complaint about it was like oh none of this really makes sense you know they spent so long doing the infinity saga and now they don't really know what they're doing and everyone every director and and project runner is kind of just doing their own thing and hoping it all connects and then now you're sort of getting the backlash of the backlash of being like well guys we didn't know what the infinity war was at the beginning and you know it took them a while to really set everything up do you buy into this or do you really do think that they're just sort of grasping at straws right now I think there's a plan. I think that the the plan is um, the plan is a little trickier to articulate this time because there's so much content. The first phase of of the Infinity Saga was like five movies, four movies over five years or four years. So like, you know, it was it was a much slower process to get to that stage. Um, it was clear that they were building towards something, but it was also I think, yeah, I think that this time, because there are so many super fans who are super bought in and super into it and super aware, they're looking for, for the connective tissue and everything. And I think by looking too deeply, we see nothing. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good way of putting it. Now, before we get into our discussion, I do want to congratulate friends of the show, Callum and Gisela, for reaching 100 episodes of the Scare Traducing podcast, one of my favorites to listen to and learn from. And here's to another 100 episodes to you, my friends. But let's get into this, Sammy. We're going to start, go basically sort of in chronological order of things that are are supposed to be coming out and what we learn. So we're going to start with phase four and the movie side sort of, we're going to go basically movies, then TV shows uh, when going through this, this order. But uh, the phase four of the movies, it is a bit of a smaller phase than some of the other ones. Although, you know, in the end it kind of looks about similar. Uh, we only have one movie left to come out and that is Black Panther Wakanda forever.
We got the new trailer for it, and I know the the biggest question sort of is, how is this franchise going to move forward without Chadwick Boseman since he tragically passed away a few years ago, and he, he really has embodied the Black Panther character, and unlike something like Captain America or Iron Man, where we got this huge, long story and franchise from them, it just sort of seemed like the beginning for the Black Panther character, and now they sort of have to completely retool it on the fly. And so it's going to be interesting. We, we got this new trailer, and it's a fantastic trailer. The music choices in it, where it's going, um, everything's going to be alright leading into the song Alright, was was really breathtaking and beautiful and we got to see some interesting new characters uh namor the submariner who is played by uh, i hope i pronounce this right tanak huerta and ironheart who is played by dominique thorne and we, we only get very brief glimpses mostly from behind or allusions to them but it looks like it's going to be a very interesting movie and probably the one i've been now the most excited for in quite a long time because i have been quite disappointed by several of the Marvel movies of the last year or two. Uh, what are your thoughts on Black Panther Wakanda Forever? I had to agree the trailer was fantastic, probably one of the better MCU trailers in a while. Um, I think that the movie is going to be good. I think it's like, you know, I think the first one, it was better than expectations for me personally. Uh, and I think it'll just be a good action movie, including Namor is great. I don't really get how they're doing this. So it, Namor is Marvel's kind of first mutant or like one of the first Marvel characters. Um, and so it was sort of, it was bound to happen that he was going to make it into the, into the uh, movies. I, I see they're trying to do kind of as he's sort of a villain, but like most, um, I take the, the fast and the furious uh, approach where the villain will become a friend and become mm. a hero in a, in a later story, um, that sort of thing. Uh, but I, I think it's a good approach to sort of make it so that there's, there's a reasonable, I think people were expecting it, the movie to be like, oh, internal strife in Wakanda. And I think this is a good idea. This is a good approach for them to still have an external sort of enemy. We don't really know. That's the whole thing. But what I think will be really interesting is there have been glimpses of someone is taking on the Black Panther mantle, not in in, in the same way. Like we obviously know that the character isn't being recast or anything, but a different member of the family or a different member of, of kind of the people we know are going to sort of take on the role. And I'm curious to see how that will play out. Um, but I, I expect it to be good. Do I expect it to be cohesive with the other movies? No. And I think it doesn't need to be, because that's what we've sort of seen from the rest of the phase so far. Yeah. And I think Black Panther already sort of worked the first one of sort of just sort of introducing a new world that later would come into play and was, was pretty much more of a standalone film than some of the other Marvel movies were at that time so really worked out and I wonder if they're going to sort of go for a similar thing here where they're going to where they're going to introduce this sort of underwater mutant creature sort of thing whatever they have going on I don't really know a lot about the character Namor or necessarily his people but it looks like they're probably going to try to set up this very unique world and then we, it's going to be standalone and then later they'll be able to sort of expand on it and sort of show the connective tissue to so how it connects to the rest of, of Marvel. Because we also have the built-in you know, aspect of Wakanda already is 
separate it from the rest of the world quite literally where they've got that like uh barrier force field shield around them cloaking device thing whatever you want to call it and as you were saying about not necessarily recasting black panther but someone taking up the mantle obviously if you're a fan of comics you know that there's you know a million different spider-men there's a whole bunch of like literally every character has different incarnations of someone new taking up the mantle and we're about to see that coming up real soon with a new Captain America movie, which we'll talk about when when that comes up. But if you've been watching the TV shows, you obviously know the the genesis of how all that works out. But uh, we're getting a new character, Ironheart. Here, I there it. She is a relatively new character in the comics world, and it's going to be brand new. Do you know much about the the Ironheart character? Yeah, I mean, Ironheart was, um, like you said, very, very new character. I think it was, um, it was after, it came up after one of their, um, one of their, like, uh, big comic events. I think it was Civil War II, which was terrible, um, from, from about five, six years ago. Um, and, uh, and so the idea was, like, basically a, a, a new Iron Man or another person, just like what you're saying, someone to take on the mantle. Um, and, uh, and th- I think that the timing for, for Marvel's comics was, okay, who, who, who in this universe, like sort of creating a person like a super genius who can kind of fit into this mold. Um, I think it's actually really smart to include the character in Black Panther. I think that it comes, uh, the show, her show is much after this movie. So it'll be a bit of a, okay, we know who this person is. Um, my, I'll be curious to see just sort of the extent, um, that, she's kind of a part of the story of it's or it's more of a, in my mind, more of like a Captain America civil war where it's where, where we met Spider-Man. So we got maybe 15, 20 minutes of Spider-Man in the movie and that's it. So maybe we'll have 15, 20 minutes of, of Ironheart, or maybe even she doesn't have the armor yet. Who knows? So I think that it'll be an interesting thing. I do. I will say, and I think this is something we're going to talk about across all the phases. Marvel has a bit of a challenge now where they keep trying to introduce sort of unrelated characters in their movies so that they have those characters introduced um, mm-hmm. so they can bring them back later. But then it, then it leads to the problem of, I have no idea who this person is. Like, what, why are they all of a sudden here or something? So um, we'll get into that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, so that ends the movie portion of Phase 4. And then the other sort of big reveal was we already had a trailer for it, but we got a additional trailer for She-Hulk, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, which has now dropped by the time this episode has come out. The first couple episodes, I believe, are now available to watch on Disney+. Plus. just want to make sure that you don't think this is one of those cameo every week type of shows. Except Bruce. And Blonsky. And Wong. My name is Matthew Murdoch. We're going to make a difference. There is no going back to what you were before. That's got a nice ring to it. That name better not stick. But we got a new trailer and sort of the news of the return of Charlie Cox as Daredevil. That's sort of been teased for a little while now. Daredevil was a part of the Netflix Marvel series of shows where they, they told us they were in the same universe as the rest of the MCU, but they weren't really, but you know, wink, wink, they kind of were every once in a while. They would talk about the event, which was the Avengers one movie sort of thing. And we got Charlie Cox who returned in the last Spider-Man movie. He showed up just in lawyer form as, um, not in his daredevil form. Uh, and we've also now seen, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio who played Kingpin in the, 
Daredevil series show up in a couple little projects here and there. He was in Hawkeye. Uh, I believe he is in She-Hulk Attorney of Law as well. But yeah, that's the big news is that we got Charlie Cox coming back and he's getting his own series that we're going to talk about later as well. But we it was sort of the big reveal of showing the trailer and at the very end you see the daredevil costume which was kind of exciting that they're bringing him back he was a huge fan favorite from that era of netflix shows when they had stuff like uh jessica jones and um i forget what the other ones were called uh but yeah it's a big exciting news that charlie cox is sort of back in the fold he's been a big torchbearer i guess for the the franchise and he it sort of seemed like he was getting the the short end of the stick there no no pun intended with that there uh but it's nice to see him back what do you think yeah i mean you can't do a she-hulk show without matt murdoch because she's a lawyer and she's been a lawyer in the comics forever so it was always gonna be a law show it was always gonna have I think it's going to work its way up towards sort of the the um, the thing I think of all the time with this show is Single Female Lawyer, which was a play on Ally McBeal from Futurama. <laughs> single female lawyer fighting for her client, wearing sexy mini skirts and being self reliant. Um, yes. And and honestly, I, I I almost expect a joke around about Single Female Lawyer at one, at one point. What I've seen so far so far of She Hulk has been fabulous, um, but yeah, I think it was sort of a a foregone conclusion that we would see. Um, Daredevil there. I think what I like about it is that it's an opportunity because everyone's been really cagey in terms of Kevin Feige and everybody involved with Marvel about whether this is actually the exact same Daredevil as we've seen before or it's just Charlie Cox playing Daredevil again and everything else will look the same but as a different version. Um, I think this is sort of going to be a it's going to answer that question, but it also gives us space for like She-Hulk is a comedy and that like it's it's being designed specifically as a comedy and Daredevil is a bit of a moody character, and I think it'll be nice to see a bit of the comedic side that that does exist in the comics as well. Um, so I think it's the best way to do this. I think fans need to probably temper their expectations. Like I'm sure he'll be in a couple episodes, and that's it, or he'll have really small parts because um, it really is her show. And I and I think that that's an important kind of consideration that it's it's not just superhero law show with a bunch of superhero lawyers because there are other superhero lawyers um, in in the comics, but. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a good approach. And I think that it was a good idea to sort of draw people in who might not have been interested in She-Hulk and maybe, oh, now they're going to, now they're going to watch it. But I, already I'm impressed. Yeah, I, I haven't started it yet, so I can't really comment on the quality, but I know people have been very happy with it. And it sort of opened the door to when we get the full on Daredevil show, you know, maybe the return of Foggy and Karen as well, who are, who are big proponents of that show and and see how that all sort of uh reconnects into it and will they start bringing in the other characters as well will they bring in jessica jones will they bring in the punisher will they bring in all those people because those shows were so totally different than what was happening in the movies because they were way more explicitly violent will that fit in with today's mcu i think is the the question that we probably won't know the answer until we see the uh the actual daredevil series which we're going to talk about a bit later so i feel like i'm getting ahead of myself here uh, but that's going to be an interesting question to answer yeah definitely and i think that that it will be a marvel can't help themselves with cameos and stuff so i think we can expect to see some familiar faces just a question of how much are they integrated into the series and how much are they background characters or cameos mm-hmm. all right so that sort of wraps up phase four i know it sort of seems short but there, most of phase four has already come out and now we're moving on to phase five, 
We already know about several of the projects that are coming out. We we probably talked about it when we did our last uh, episode uh, back two years ago, and that was Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, The Marvels, and Blade. But I feel like now we have a better idea of what to expect from these movies. You know, there was the whole James Gunn fiasco with Guardians of the Galaxy where Marvel fired him. Uh, he went and made the Suicide Squad, and they're like, oh, no, never mind. You're actually okay, so we're going to bring you back and do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, the Marvels, we can now know, have a better idea of how it's all going to look because of the TV show Miss Marvel that came out. And that's going to be sort of a Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel team-up. And Blade, they've actually now started working on this. This is probably the one that I was most excited about from that episode two years ago because I love Mahershala Ali and I'm really curious to see how he's going to take up the Wesley Snipes mantle there. Uh, But of this quartet of movies, is there any sort of new information you think we now know about them? I'd say the new information is we probably have a better idea of how they, how they fit together and how they fit into the, the, all the stories. Um, I think Quantumania in particular will be really the big um, multiverse saga linchpin of like, using the quantum universe or the quantum realm or whatever it was called to, to sort of uh, see, see the multiverse. But the biggest thing is from Loki is the character who's in that show known as he who remains as King the conqueror, who is going to play in big time to the phase six and is what I believe one of the major Thanos, like quote unquote villains, but Kang's a, Kang's a bit of a complicated character, especially through the multiversal versions. All this to say, I think it'll be an interesting way to start off the phase and then I think, um, I agree that I'm excited for, for Blade. I'm relatively excited for Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm the most excited for the Marvels. Um, just because I, I really liked Captain Marvel. I, I like the, the cast for that. Like uh, Brie, Brie Larson, I love Miss Marvel. But also that's um, Monica Rambeau, the, the character mm-hmm. Marvel Spectrum, is also going to be in it. And I think that it's the most out of the four where it's really, it's the most unknown. Like you kind of know, obviously you don't know the plots of the movies, but you know what to expect, what they're going to kind of look like. Um, what the feel might be. Blade is a bit of an unknown, but I think it's going to be a bit broody and, and grim in, in like a Marvel way. Um, but I think the Marvels in particular, is, I have no idea what to expect from it. And I, and I think that for me is the most exciting part. It's also going to be interesting to sort of see how they can move forward with the character of Captain Marvel, because we now sort of basically know that Captain Marvel probably is the most powerful character in the entire MCU. We've seen that time and time again, that she's a, a bit of a deus ex machina where she can sh- kind of show up in uh, with, you know, the, the snap of her fingers overpower just about anyone. So it's going to be complicated to see. How are they going to have a villain that is uh, an equal match to not only her, but be able to be a sort of a, a three-on-one or a four-on-one fight and and be all right, where it's not just like, okay, we're just sort of waiting for Captain Marvel to do her thing now. What's happening here? So it's going to be interesting to sort of see where they can move forward with the character from that. It, it's super. It's the Superman problem that has yes. existed since the beginning of time and comic writers have tried to adjust over time. Um, but I think that this time we're not going to see Captain America like depowered or unpowered. It's, it's you're right. It's going to be solving a problem that makes more sense to solve. But what I do think it's going to mean is we're going to see a lot more of just like at the end of Shang-Chi and just like in, in um, the last Avengers movie where she's sort of like a lot of her being like, I'm going to take care of the galaxy because I have other things to do. You guys figure out earth. Um, and I think the Marvel's, Probably because of that, Marvels isn't even going to take place on Earth, or if it's going to be on Earth, it's going to be a part of the time, and that's it. Yeah, so that's going to be uh, an interesting 
thing to sort of keep an eye on of how that all uh, unfolds. But uh, the next one that they have announced is the new Captain America movie called New World Order, and it's being directed by Julius Ona, who did the films Loose and The Cloverfield Paradox. Both of those movies were kind of um, lukewarm to poorly receive. Loose was one that I, I know some people liked. They, they appreciated the performances in that movie. Uh, but The Cloverfield Paradox was definitely seen as the weakest Cloverfield movie by a long shot. But we know from the end of The Falcon and Winter Soldier that uh, the Falcon has now taken up the mantle of Captain America. So as I was alluding to earlier this the concept of uh, changing the mantle changing the guard and this is going to be the first project i think that we really sort of see how that's going to work out uh, other than black panther wakanda forever because we know who it is it's it's sam he was the falcon we know at the end of the falcon winter soldier he picked up captain america's shield we've now seen clips of him where he's got the redesigned suit where it is not the classic red white and blue it is mostly white um so it sort of incorporates more of his falcon designs so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to sort of see can the captain america franchise move forward much like comics move forward with a new person at the helm you know it's gonna be um i think it's gonna actually go a little bit not in in the style in any way but i think it's gonna be a bit thor ragnaroki where it's sort of a okay we know what the earlier movies were like this is going to be a new completely new style new genre new approach um, the, the, the three Captain America movies were very good. The, the first one is quite different from the second two, but, um, I think that there, there is a way to do it that works well. I love Sam. Bucky has to be in it because the two of them together is hilarious and, and it always mm-hmm. works really well. Um, and I think that they can, I think that they can do just a, a solid action adventure movie. Um, it probably won't be as, uh, like, um, heisty or or thrilly spy spy in my mind i think it's going to be a little bit of a different approach um but it is it is an unknown and what's going to be really interesting to see is um where this slots in again because is this going to be sort of just a direct sequel to the show which i i quite liked um but had a very sort of on the ground focus a lot more of a political focus or is it going to be another kind of you know world altering like that's the thing about Captain America Civil War is that it really wasn't a Captain America movie. It was Avengers 2.5 and it was about mm-hmm. so much more than him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. It's also interesting how when the Disney shows first started, Kevin Feige sort of said that, yeah, we want people to watch them, but we don't want people to, if they miss it, uh, go into the movies, the next film, and be like, oh, who are all these people? I don't understand anything. And so it sort of was alluding to the idea that these TV shows would sort of end on a note where it would be easily recapped in a movie. And we sort of got that with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, where they sort of recapped WandaVision. It obviously helped if you had seen WandaVision uh, quite a bit, because some of the plot points would have not made a lot of sense. Why was she kept crying about her her kids? Well, that did made no sense. And uh, that made me immediately think of the Falcon Winter Soldier, where more or less it was a 10-episode series of uh, Falcon having basically an internal debate with himself of, is it right for him to take up the mantle of Captain America based on politically, 
you know, how is it of a black man taking up the mantle of Captain America when America as a whole has not been representative of black people? How does he feel about taking up the mantle from his best friend who's no longer alive? Can he continue his legacy? All this sort of stuff. That was basically the nexus, the thesis of what that show was about. It just so happened that there was, you know, uh, some bad guys going on in the background that they had to defeat and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of it, it sort of ends with him picking up the shield and goes, okay, I guess I'm Captain America now. We can easily get that recap now where he can have a conversation with someone where he goes, hey, these were my my qualms, the dilemmas I was facing of whether or not I want to be black, uh, whether I want to be Captain America. Uh, this is my decision. And so we can kind of get, we can imagine that there will be a sort of short recap at the beginning of the next Captain America. Is that sort of safe to say? Oh yeah, it's and it's going to be it, it'll probably be done in like a conversation between him and Bucky. Like that's going to be the way it's done. Like you, you, this is very much a movie I don't think you'll have had to see the show. Whereas I kind of agree that WandaVision is is almost necessary viewing for Doctor Strange um, and the Multiverse of Madness. But I think that for this, it's like okay, well, Sam is Captain America, moving on, and that's sort of it. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to sort of see where it goes. I wasn't crazy about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I liked some of it, uh, but much like with all the TV shows, I liked it a bit. And then by the end, it just sort of fell apart a little bit because it just was, became a generic action-y fighty thing. Whereas all the interesting themes and subjects that they were bringing up before kind of get pushed to the wayside a little bit, but that's neither here nor there at that point. Now, the the next movie I want to talk about is called Thunderbolt, which which is going to be directed by Jake Shearer, who did Robot and Frank and Paper Towns. And I can't think of someone whose filmography is more different from what they're being hired for than this. Robot and Frank was a very meditative, quiet movie about an elderly man with his robot companion. And Paper Towns was a typical YA movie that... um, starred uh oh, what's her face i can't even remember what her name is right now the thunderbolts basically is marvel's answer to the suicide squad it's much basically the exact same thing where you have a group of bad guys who are forced to be good and work together as a team so thunderbolts obviously has a whole bunch of different variations in the comics who do you suspect will be in the film version of this uh adaptation this is a great question, uh, and I I have some answers. But I think what'll be what, what I what I do want to say first about this is that um, Marvel is making a huge risk if they make this too similar to Suicide Squad, um, because the Thunderbolts are they are that, but they also don't have to be that. Um, they're 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 sort of the quote unquote anti hero squad, as not so much as the 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 villain ter- forced to be hero squad. But I think that's the approach they're going to take, or I guess sort of the gray area people who are going to be forced to be uh, in, involved in some way. So who's going to be a part of it? Um, so she's not part of this in the comics, but um, uh, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, who's uh, had small parts in Falcon the Winter Soldier and. <clears throat> and um, in Black Widow, I think she's going to be sort of the part of the ringleader aspect because we sort of see her doing a little bit of collecting in a way of people. So that means U.S. agent from Falcon the Winter Soldier. I think we're going to see um, Baron Zemo in some capacity. Um, we're probably going to see um, what's-his-face from Black Widow, whose name I forget. Um, maybe some folks we haven't seen yet, but this is the problem. with The, the Thunderbolts has had 
well over 150 members, which makes it very complicated. I'm just taking a quick look. The current version, um, the most recent version, the leader is Hawkeye um, and Spectrum. Monica (laughs) Rambo's on it. And so is America Chavez from, from Doctor Strange. So it's it's really hard to say who's going to be a part of it. In the past, U.S. Agent's been been a leader. Um, Taskmaster, that's who it is. He's been on it before. Um, Winter Soldier has been a leader in the past. Deadpool's been in the Thunderbolt. Luke Cage has been in Thunderbolts. Ant-Man has been in Thunderbolts. So I think that's part of the the challenge that's going to have is that there's sort of a... Um, it's, there's flexibility, but it's going, it's going to be exclusively people we've seen before. It's just going to be which people is it going to be is really the question. Um, but my concern is that they are going to position this like an Avengers movie. And this is not an Avengers movie. It's going to be more of a, it'll still be like some big plot, but I think that, that people shouldn't go in expecting, you know, the, the funny quips between characters that we know and love. These are going to be people we don't know that well, and that's going to have some issues. Now you were talking about the person that's going to be leading it. That's the character played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, right? That's right. Yeah. Yes, so she showed up at the end of uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I believe that was the first time we saw her, and then we see her again in Black Widow. It was supposed to be the other way around, but due to COVID, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier ended up coming first. Yes, which I think may have led to some confusion for people. <laughs> Probably, yeah, because they're like, oh, what the hell is Julia Louis-Dreyfus doing in a Marvel movie? <laughs> um, and there's also the character in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up in it, who was the uh, Captain America original one that was the replacement for uh, Steve Rogers. Uh, I'm I'm blanking on, on what his name is right now, but he'll probably be in it, won't he? Uh, from, the, from the Winter Soldier or from the show? Yeah, from, from the TV show. Because yeah, that, that that's was... U.S. Agent. Sorry, that's... U.S. Agent, uh, okay. Yeah, right. um, sorry, that's... I don't think they ever actually say his, his like, new name, um, in the show, but that's in the comics that who, that's who he is. And I think I remember him talking about getting a contract that was beyond the show. And so people were like, Oh, he's going to be in a movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then it'll probably be Florence Pugh who is yeah. in, uh, who's in black widow. Uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to just go through and figure out who else might potentially show up there. But, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some, some side characters who we probably have forgotten about that might play a part. Do you think you, you mentioned dare, uh, not daredevil, um, Deadpool, you mentioned Deadpool as at one time being in the, the, the Thunderbolts. Do you think that this might be the time that they introduce him to the MCU? Cause I've talked about that now for a few years and we don't have an official announcement of a Deadpool three or a new version of a Deadpool in the Marvel universe. We just know that we expect he will eventually be there. I think that we have, um, I think we have something of confirmation of the third Deadpool movie and that it was going to be, um, it's going to be sort of the, the language that I saw was like, it's going to be like forced into the MCU. So my guess is that it's going to be a sort of a Deadpool coming from his own universe to this universe or something like that, part of the multiverse saga, but it's not on the schedule. I don't expect it to be announced at D23 um, in terms of when it would slot in. I don't think this is a great place to do it. The only way that would work in my mind is if he was the bad guy <laughs> and the mm. Thunderbolts were trying to, to like do something about him, which would be kind of hilarious. But um, I don't see that happening. Uh, I, I'd almost sooner see um, Deadpool 3 kind of being on its own and that being sort of the br- br- branching off point into um, into the MCU from there. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe like a post-credit sequence or something like that where he sort of shows up to set up his movie. 
Yeah, it could be possible. It could also be, um, you know, like we are, we are already know that with cable, there's time travel involved. So maybe we'll see cable as well. Maybe we'll see a joke about the fact that cable is played by the same person who played Thanos, something like <laughs> that will come up. Um, that sort of thing is bound to happen too. So it could be anywhere. I, I don't, it really depends on when in the schedule it's going to go. My best guess is it's going to be a phase, phase six film. Um, so after like in, in 24, 24, 2025 or further. Um, but yeah, it's going to probably first be in a, in some kind of uh, funny cameo appearance before it, but I don't see it fitting into Thunderbolts. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, and that, so that, that sort of wraps up the movies that we know about in phase five, but there's a bunch of TV shows that they also announced. So we've got secret invasion, echo, Ironheart, Agatha, coven of chaos and daredevil born again. Uh, I guess the best place to start is maybe Daredevil since we've already been talking about it. This is going to be different in the sense of it's going to be a lot longer than all the other Marvel TV shows. Every Marvel TV show has been under 10 episodes, you know, ranging around the six for the most part. And we've got Daredevil, which is coming in at 18 episodes in, and honestly, that uh, that's a little disappointing for me because my biggest issues with the Netflix Marvel TV shows were they're way too friggin' long. There was so much filler where it often would seem like it was two seasons in one because you'd have this what you believe was the the villain or the obstacle, and then it was sort of a MacGuffin, and then it would switch, and then suddenly you'd have a whole new season of shows where it's basically just repeating the same plot points. And I'm worried that having an 18 episode season will sort of do the same for that. But we are getting the return, the full return of both Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio and possibly of the other side characters as well. And who knows if anyone else from that universe will show up. What do you think about all that? Yeah, I agree with you. 18 episodes is a huge risk. Um, in my mind, I think that it could be, you know, maybe it's three chapters, six, six episode chapters, and that they make it more cohesive. I think the only other way they could do it is to make it shorter episodes, because this is a problem I'm having across all the Disney Plus shows. Um, mm. 30 to 35 minutes is a sweet spot, because five to eight minutes of that is, is credits. Um, but once you pass the, the 45, 50 minute mark, the shows, the episodes tend to drag on. Um, and I find myself having trouble just even watching six you know, one hour episodes, whereas some other shows, um, the Orville, one of my favorite shows, their third season, the average episode was an hour and 10 minutes long, did not feel like it at all. It was a very cohesive 10 episode season, long episodes, good storytelling. So, you know, I think they, this is unusual that it, it, we know it's so long. And I think that gives them some, some flexibility to really plan things out. But I agree with you is they don't like, they don't need to make this as long. I think it's going to be a very cohesive story start to finish story i think the idea is that we're not getting anything else after this it's sort of a this is the season of daredevil like we had a full story start to finish i 100 percent think that pretty much everybody from the defenders uh, universe the netflix shows will probably appear this might be their their way into the mcu maybe new versions again um but i i think it'll be really interesting what i also have to say is that it's the only show of phase four that is sorry phase five that is slotted for 2024 all the other shows, including two second seasons, are all 2023. That's six shows then, plus four movies. It's a lot. So it'll be really interesting to see. Um, you know, we watch all of this, and then the only show for for Phase uh, 5 currently is Daredevil, um, kind of at the end of all of these other things. So all this to say, I we're going to see what happens uh, about those 18 episodes. We're going to see what happens with the structure. I could see things changing. 
Now, I think the the other big question to have about this series is what is the tone going to be? We mentioned it earlier. The tone was very dark and gritty in the Netflix shows. We saw a lot of brutal action scenes. You know, Daredevil was famous for his hallway fight scenes where it was basically taking from the old boy movies of one guy against 50 adversaries and fighting them in a very brutal fashion. And then you get the Punisher character who just straight up shoots everyone in the face, basically. And and sort of everything in between there, lots of blood, lots of gore, you know, you would hear bones snapping and things like that. There was also like the prison fight scene with, uh, with Wilson Fisk, um, the Vincent D'Onofrio character. So how is sort of that all going to tie into Marvel's mostly PG bloodless, uh, action? We're going to see what they did for Moon Knight, which is they're going to tell us it's really brutal and it's not. And I think that, you know, you can still have good fight choreography. Um, that's one of the things in Falcon and the Winter Soldier I really liked is the fight choreography was quite good. Um, I think we're going to see that. I don't think we're, I think we're going to see the edge of brutal or implied brutality. We're going to see we're going to hear about Kingpin doing really nasty things, but not actually see any of it. Um, I think that's how they're going to get around it because at the end of the day, like either they just say, okay, this is not a PG or PG thirteen show, and and run with that. Um, or they just are like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna try to make it fit the best we can, and I think She-Hulk will be the indicator of that. Um, not only just like I said to see the the humor side of Daredevil, but we're gonna see like, are we gonna see Daredevil as a really brooding character? And maybe we won't, and maybe we get to see a slightly different side of him, but still have it be a, a, a level of intensity um, in the show as well. Mm-hmm. It sort of reminds me a little bit of. What Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was hyped up to be back when Scott Derrickson was on as the director, it was being promoted as going to be Netflix, uh, sorry, Marvel's first full-on horror movie, and uh, everything else was sort of be to the side that the horror was going to be the main aspect. When Sam Raimi took over, he sort of brings in his unique blend of horror and comedy. That's really what he's been known for uh, his whole career is blending horror and comedy very well. And we, we got that, but the horror was super toned down. We got a couple, you know, interesting shots of zombie Dr. Strange and sort of that's really about it. That's where the horror really went to. And I wonder if they're going to sort of maybe do, like you said, um, hyping up something and then it's not really what it is. Are they going to hype up the brutality of Daredevil coming back and Kingpin and the Punisher and Jessica Jones and all these sort of people? And then it's, you know, like you said, just sort of be either uh, talked about and not seen or maybe seen off screen sort of thing where, uh, you know, someone's dead, but you don't actually see, you know, the, the, the final killing strike or, or shot to them that kills them. Yeah, it's going to be, it'll be really interesting. And I, I, do, I do worry it's going to be that. It's going to be hyped up really intensely and still going to sort of have the same look, the same style. The other thing is the Born Again storyline from the comics is extremely intense. And it was also partially done in the third season of the Netflix show. So it's going to be really interesting to see the approach that they take, um, especially now that we know King Pit exists in this world. And do we know if it's the same, same, like, is he the same level of intensity? So it'll be, I think that, People enjoy it. I know I'm going to watch it because I really love Charlie Cox in the role, um, but I don't think it's going to be the level of intensity that they're they're going to to tell us it is. 
Mm, yes. Okay. Uh, let's move on to some of the other shows. Uh, we can briefly talk about them. You can sort of fill me in on the details because a lot of them I don't really know a lot about. Secret Invasion, I think, is the big one. That's what was sort of set up with the Captain Marvel movie that involves the Krulls, which are the alien species. And they are more or less shapeshifters and take on the look of humans. And so I imagine the Secret Invasion TV show is going to be about the Krulls invading Earth and looking like humans, sort of invasion of the body snatchers sort of thing. Am I correct there? Yeah, that's pretty much on the money. In the comics, it was basically that. And the whole idea of the comics was like, you never know who's a crawl and who's really who they are. Um, but it, the thing about the Captain Marvel movie that was really interesting, we've seen it touched on in little pieces like the second Spider-Man movie and, and just kind of references to, to uh, Nick Fury being like being in space so that a crawl can replace him on Earth or whatever, is that the crawl don't seem to be bad guys. Um, mm-hmm. it's more, it's like, it's a, it's a more nuanced or complicated thing. So I'm curious to see how they do it. Um, what I like about it though, is that out of all the shows, it's the most like, okay, yes, Nick Fury and, and, um, and, uh, Kobe Smulders uh, character and Maria Hill are like the, the quote unquote main characters along with the crawl actors we had seen before. Um, but it's the, the most kind of, uh, crossovery where we can have a moment where Sam Wilson shows up. We have a moment where Hulk shows up. Like it's the type of show that I think I'm the most excited for that it could potentially be most like the comics in that even though it's about these main shield folks and the crawl folks, we'll get to see other people um, because the storyline is sort of connected to others. But at the same time, it's a storyline that also doesn't need to bleed into other people's stories. Like we don't need to worry about other people being crawls in other shows or movies. And so I think that actually lends a lot of, it, to me, it's the it's probably the single most exciting show of the entire phase for me, um, because it seems like something that'll be really interesting. And I also just kind of miss those characters that we haven't really seen much since the earlier Avenger movies. It's going to be very interesting because before it was revealed that the next Avengers movies are going to be centered around Kang, uh, it seemed like the prevailing thought was that they were setting up to do a secret invasion Avengers series where, you know, we had the Infinity Saga with Thanos. That was the the big overarching connective theme between it all. And and once that was happened, fans of the comics were like, okay, well, what's the next big sort of comic book storyline that Marvel could probably uh, take and adapt? And the prevailing thought was that it was going to be Secret Invasion, which seems like it's going to be such a big thing, and it's sort of being relegated to a TV series. How does that sort of all play out? I had the exact same thought, because I I actually was pretty certain that, you know, we got Civil War, we got the Infinity Saga, the, the, the most recent big thing, other than Secret Wars, which we'll get to, um, was Secret Invasion, which, which, like I'm saying, sort of touched everything for for a little while. Um, I think that I think they may have written themselves into a bit of a corner, ba- making the scrolls that we seem more sympathetic instead of you know an invading force trying to take over. Um, and I think that's why it's been it's being relegated to this. I think that that there was just not a there wasn't a way to sort of explore what they wanted to explore, which is the multiverse and across a few movies and shows. Um, by also doing this. Um, and so I, I think in that way, it's going to be a little bit isolated. And then we're sort of just going to, I'm sure it'll tie in to the overall overarching saga stuff, but I think that's all we're going to see. Okay. Interesting. All right. I, I'm very curious to sort of see where they go with that. The next TV show is Echo. And this is based on a spinoff from Hawkeye, which is the only series I haven't watched it, so I can't even comment too much about this character of what we see. But based on what I'm reading on Wikipedia, uh, the character Maya Lopez is returning home where she has to come to terms with her past and reconnect with her Native American roots and embrace her family and community. 
So this is sort of continuing the Marvel trend of bringing a lot more diversity to their projects. As we saw just recently with Miss Marvel, we get a very interesting hero who is Pakistani-American. And in fact, there was an episode that basically took place entirely in the past in Pakistan during the partition of India and Pakistan, which is so interesting. And obviously, you know, there's a certain section of the internet that anything that is not white and male uh, is uh, is angering to them. But to, I think, everyone else, I think it's a breath of, breath of fresh air that we're getting these new and interesting characters. In Doctor Strange, we got America Chavez, too. So that's another interesting character. What do you sort of know about Echo? And are you able to sort of fill in the gaps for me with the Hawkeye series? Nope. <laughs> okay. Hawkeye, I also have not seen. Um, and I also know very little about Echo. I, it sounds interesting. I think that out of all of the shows, it's the one that's going to be the most um, sort of smaller scale personal, which I think the shows kind of need because they they can't be too similar and, and they, they run the risk of becoming too similar. Uh, in a lot of ways. So I think that, that's all we can say about this one. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be connected to Daredevil because it, it's been announced that both Charlie Cox and Vin, Vincent D'Onofrio will be in it. Uh, but we also get some some really great uh, indigenous actors involved in as well. Tantu Cardinal and Graham Greene are two legendary indigenous actors. And so it's going to be really cool to sort of see how they incorporate all that. And hopefully much like they've been doing with stuff like Miss Marvel, where they've really been in Moon Knight, where they've really been leaning heavily on people from these backgrounds to come in and lead the shows. They are the showrunners from their respective backgrounds. They are bringing in writers and composers and all that sort of thing. Like Moon Knight, almost everyone on that team was Egyptian. In Miss Marvel, almost everyone on that team was either Muslim or Pakistani. And so it was interesting that you're able to actually really imbue these TV shows with the cultural roots that they needed to and not just sort of whitewash it. And it looks like they're probably going to continue that with this and bring in a bunch of really great indigenous talent to to sort of lead the way and make sure that it is done right and done in a respectful manner. For sure. Yeah. And I'll be curious to see it. I intend to watch Hawkeye before this comes out. <laughs> I know. So so do I. And there's a character in that that I want to talk about at the very end of everything to sort of see where that all, all comes into play. But the next show is Ironheart. We talked about it with the Black Panther Wakanda Forever. In the trailer, you see literally a heart being um, carved out of sheet metal um, and it that's sort of the extent that we get of that knowing that Ironheart is going to be in it, but we are going to get a whole Ironheart show. It's really going to become dependent on what happens in, in Black Panther Wakanda forever. Who else is going to be in this? Uh, we don't really know a ton about that yet. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how this all connects and where the character goes, because we, we really don't know anything about it yet. Yeah. I basically expect a, an Iron Man show, um, obviously with a very different approach. And I think the, the different being that we're not dealing with a, a super annoying billionaire um, who's lovable, <laughs> but annoying. Um, but I think that in terms of, you know, what can we expect storyline wise or action wise, it's, it's basically a continuation environment, but a new approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we got some interesting people that have been casting it. We've got Anthony Ramos, who most people probably know if they've seen Hamilton or other Lin-Manuel Miranda projects. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich, who people probably know as uh, Han Solo in the Solo movie, or uh, more if you're me, the Hail Caesar movie, where he has a fantastic scene with, uh, with Ray Fiennes, where he doesn't know how to pronounce his lines. And I think one that you're probably going to really like is Shea Coulee has been cast in this. And don't 
don't really know is Shay going to be um, her drag persona or is she going to be her non-drag persona in this movie? So it's going to be very interesting, very interesting to see how that uh, plays out for her. Yes, and all I need to say to what you just said is, would that it were so simple uh, from yes. Hail Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm probably going to insert the, the, the sound clip as well because it is too good not to include. Agreed. <laughs> Would that it was the same. Would that it was so simple. Would that it was the same. My dear boy, why do you say that? Why do you say twer? Well, you should say it like I said. Yes. Would that it was the same. Would that it was so simple. Would that it was the same. So, yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts about Shea Coulee in, in Ironheart? Uh, I, there's been a real big push of getting drag queens in movies and TV shows, which I love, and in more mainstream stuff. But it's almost always that there. it's like a scene where the characters are at a, are at a drag bar and... You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I expect. Um, prove me wrong, Disney and Marvel. I would love to see something a bit more robust, but, um, you know, it's great to still get more recognition there um, for just people, things that are a bit more on a mainstream culture that are now becoming mainstream culture. You're basically referring to the A Star is Born side of uh, casting drag queens, right? Yes, and it's not, it, it happened in a lot of things, but exa- that's exactly right. It's usually a, like, it, it's a it's a blip and people make a big deal about these these drag queens in it and it's really just, they're they're doing what we we see them in other aspects of life um and uh there's nothing wrong with that by by all means but it's sort of they like d- don't make it stunt casting like if to try to make it a bit more realistic or i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know what to do i don't have the answers <laughs> all right and then the last tv show we want to talk about is agatha coven of chaos and so this is a character from wandavision probably the big standout from that series was katherine hahn being in that And at the end of it, we realize it was Agatha all along, as the theme song goes. Who's been messing up everything? It's been Agatha all along. Who's been pulling every evil string? It's been Agatha all along. And she is getting her own TV show where she is going to be the villain but protagonist still and it's going to be really interesting because there's there's rumors of that this is going to be more comedy based Catherine Hahn which is interesting because for me for years Catherine Hahn was always like the funniest person on TV shows and then in the last couple of years has really started been doing more serious dramatic work I know she can do both but whenever I see her I go ooh this is going to be something really funny and so it's going to be interesting to see how she sort of balances both she was very funny in in WandaVision and I hope that they keep that. And there's also rumors of different comedy icons being cast in it as well, including one Catherine O'Hara, which would be very interesting. And I think Amy Poehler was also rumored to maybe be in it. So it's going to be very interesting to sort of see how they uh, how they do that. Is it going to be a you know a Salem era TV show or is it going to be a present day TV show? Yeah, I think it's it's probably it's another of those big unknowns. I think it's it's definitely going to be funny. One thing I will say is that. I think the best comedic actors tend to be the best at drama as well, um, because you need. To, whereas it doesn't always work the other way around. Dramatic actors aren't as good at comedy sometimes. But um, <laughs> I, if I were to take a random guess, I think that we're going to see it take place before Wandavision. Um, you know, it could be any era. It could be like current, but like ten years ago type of thing. I would love to see something sixties or seventies, um, really kooky. It's an excuse mm. to bring in all these great comedic actors, like you said, to just be main characters in the show, but not have any kind of uh, connection to the rest of the universe we might see a little bit of like camertage or sorcerer supreme relevant because the idea is that magic exists in this world there's different people that do it different ways um i, d- I think this will be what one of the shows that is most 
unconcerned with uh, with the current saga. Um, and I think it's just going to be fun, some fun, because we know that that Agatha has been around for hundreds of years in the universe, but we haven't really seen anything from her yet. And I think there's a lot more fun that can be had with the magic that's not the 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 Camertage school, I would say almost. Um, so there's a lot of potential there. And I just love Catherine Hahn as well. So I think it's going to be great. Yeah, it would almost be interesting if we can get some sort of like either Adam's family or Munster sort of thing of hiding in plain sight while still being the the kooky neighbors and and how that's all going to work out. They sort of played with that trope a little bit in WandaVision, mm-hmm. but it'd be nice to sort of see that expanded even more. Yeah, I would love it. And I think that there's, there's the most blank slate out of anything because that was probably a character like, yeah, people love it, but they had no idea the response would be so positive that they're like, okay. And then Catherine Hahn apparently signed like a multi, a multi thing deal with Marvel. So there's a lot of potential there, but I think that they don't need to be as bound to the rest of the universe, which gives them a lot of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Now, am I right in, I feel like I saw the rumor about that Catherine O'Hara and Amy Poehler are in it, but you know, when I'm trying to do some more research, I'm not really seeing that. Am I, am I correct in remembering that I read that somewhere? I have not seen it, but I am not going to deny that you have seen it. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad you know what my internet search history is. Well, I'm clearly looking at it right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm very excited for that too. But that sort of wraps up phase five. And then now we're going into phase six. And the first movie that they talked about is Fantastic Four. This has been sort of rumored for a while after the disastrous reboot, the the fan fortastic or however you call it uh, from a few years ago that was just a, a huge disaster in basically every way imaginable. And then in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, we get the one of the multiverses has the Illuminati, which was uh, basically the Avengers of this world. And on it is Captain, Fan- uh, Ca- yeah, Captain Fantastic, Mister Fantastic, who is played by John Krasinski, who for years has been dodging questions of, "Hey, wouldn't you make a great Mister Fantastic? And wouldn't your wife Emily Blunt make a perfect Invisible Woman?" And so for years, they've dodged these questions and being like, no, stop it. And I believe he actually blew up on a reporter at one time of like, you guys need to stop asking me this question. I'm not playing in a Fantastic Four movie. And sure enough, yes, he is. So I don't know, was it fan casting that just got way too overzealous and excited and that's what's happening? And did Marvel just try to capitalize it? Or has this sort of been in the works for years now? Because now that John Krasinski is a filmmaker himself, would he be involved in it? I don't know if they if they have a director. Yeah, they don't have a director announced yet. Would he maybe direct it? Would he be the writer for it? Because he's done now two A Quiet Places. How is that all going to work out? What do you think, Sammy? Yeah, so um, the, first, the very first thing I'm going to say is that Fantastic Four is not coming out in November of 2024. It's going to be pushed back. It's two years away. There are too many other projects that are still in, in development, not even in filming for phase five. Um, that's the thing I'll say right off the bat. Phase six, first of all, they, they say phase six is one year. It's like November 2024 to November 2025. I don't believe that for a second. It's going to be longer. Movies are going to be pushed back. There's not going to be two Avengers movies super close together. That's the first thing I need to say. So all this to say, we might get information about director and even some cast at D23 for Fantastic Four. I honestly don't know if that's the case because John Watts was developing this movie for two years and left. Um, He was the director of the Spider-Man trilogy, and uh, he just said he wants a break from superhero movies, which I totally get. Um, And I think that Fantastic Four is... a a bit of a cursed property. There's never been a good good job of it done. Even the animated show from the 90s, which I love, was kind of awful too. Um, and the, the movies from the mid-2000s were great and really campy. And I think we talked about this before as well. 
what I will say is I, I, I'm of two minds. Like I love the fact that John Krasinski had that little bit part. And I will clarify the Illuminati is not the Avengers. They're the idea is that they're the smartest heroes in the world and they kind of help guide the planet, just like the idea of an Illuminati in the real world. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, and I thought it was a great bit. And I think it was purely for the, for fan service. That whole segment was, was purely for fan service and a little bit unsettling. Um, I, as much as I love the idea, I just don't see John Krasinski being tied down to such a huge thing because um, like that character is so instrumental to the comics in so many ways. Um, and one of the things actually I thought earlier too, aside from going the Kang and multiverse roots is that Dr. Doom might be the big supervillain. Um, and maybe he's going to be the big, big bad in the, in the next uh, saga or whatever. But um, I, I really don't know. I, I, I just, it'd be great. I think he and Emily Blunt would be great casting to be honest. Um, but I, I really don't know. And I think they can go, in any way possible. What I would love to see is if they did the, the current iteration of the fantastic four, which is the future foundation version where they already have kids and the kids have powers and there's sort of more, a bit more to them. Um, they're not kind of like Spider-Man or Batman where we need to see their origin story because their origin story is quite frankly, ridiculous. They go into space and they get hit by radiation, which you do when you <laughs> go into space period. Um, and then they suddenly have powers. So I don't think they need to worry themselves as much. I think we'll kind of get a, a, a brief version of that. I think, you know, getting four really solid actors is what's key here. Having a very, very good scenery chewing doom uh, actor is very good. Um, and I think that the rest will kind of come together. Yeah, that's I, I have no idea what to make of this because I I've never really been interested in the Fantastic Four characters, but I know a lot of people, especially you kind of hold them in, in higher regard and maybe they finally will get the movie that they do deserve and maybe John Krasinski is the person to do that. I, I don't really know. Maybe maybe what's going to happen, just to mess with everybody, is he's not going to be in it, but he's going to direct it. And actually, I think he would do a great <laughs> job as the director, to be perfectly honest. But um, I think, like I said, I think we'll find out quite soon some of the details. But we have to, if that's a movie that's coming out in two years, because there's no way for them to film a project and do all the VFX that are needed in time. Yeah, it's at the point now where probably phase five, a couple things might get pushed back a little bit. And then phase six will probably also then have a ripple down effect of everything being pushed down a a year or two corresponding to whatever happens in phase five. It only makes sense, especially because we're going to get to it. Like Secret Wars is a very significant storyline. And it just like it it does not make sense to me that, you know, in May we get one kind of angle of storylines and then a few months later we get another and (laughs) just go in. So um, I can see it. I I can see it happening. We also, you know, there is there's still rumbling from Sony that another Spider-Man movie is coming and they've been doing them every two years. I wouldn't be surprised to see see the Fantastic Four time slot being taken by Spider-Man instead to push everything back, potentially, if that's something mm. that's going to actually happen. But we won't really know. That's not the type of thing that Marvel will announce. It'll be so- Sony that announces it. So anyway, I just want to, you know, for listeners who are really excited about all these, like, way too many projects in, like, a four-year period, three-year period, be prepared for the fact that things are going to be delayed. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- that's what... Going back to the beginning, we did our last episode on this subject two years ago, and we're just finally getting to the the end portion of that where there, everything was coming out. And some of the stuff that we talked about then, like Blade, still hasn't even come out yet. It's just started filming. Yeah. So, and this is, I mean, obviously the pandemic had an impact, but it's also the, the sheer scale of work. Um, I think that there's an awareness of how 
huge it is. Um, it used to be we would get a phase was three or four years. Now the phases are like a year and a half to two years each, which is a little fast. Yeah, the TV shows really help speed that up uh, because, you know, you can have, you know, three or four movies released, one a season, but then you can also have TV shows coming out in between those movies that really accelerate everything. Sometimes it's a little too much. <laughs> a little bit, yes. Uh, all right. And then the, the next thing after that is much like how we got two Avengers movies to wrap up the Infinity Saga, we have two Avengers movies to sort of wrap up the what they're calling the Multiverse Saga, and that is Avengers the Kang, Dyna- the Kang Dynasty, which is being directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, who did the first Shang-Chi movie, and then Avengers Secret Wars. So the first one, the Kang Dynasty... We now know that this is what they are setting up as the big bad for this whole thing is Kang, who was introduced at the end of Loki, the very end episode of that TV series, played by Jonathan Majors, who is one of my favorite up-and-coming actors, and I'm, I'm really happy that he's sort of uh, blowing up and, and getting the spotlight like this because he's such a great, talented actor. He sometimes chooses some bad projects, but when he's good, he's so damn good. Uh, but we know, I don't know a ton about this character. I do know that he has, as he talked about in Loki, he has taken on many forms and names over the course of his life. And so that makes him a very difficult character to adapt properly because they can, you know, play up the angle of, hey, he was really one guy all the time and, you know, because he's alive forever he can sort of just change his name and go to a new location and people believe it's a different person but in reality in the comics that's not how it works out so how is the kang dynasty going to actually sort of uh marry the comic book version to what we are now uh heading towards in the movies well i think um quantumania the mn movie is going to be the big case of it because he who remains in loki is is a different version of kang and the whole point is yeah we're going to see different versions of kang but um the idea of kang is that he's like i want to conquer everything that literally his name is kang the conqueror that's what he goes by and there's a two two of his major incarnations from the comics are immortus um and iron lad and i think immortus is the closest to the he who remains version but iron lad is sort of a younger version of himself that doesn't want to in some versions he doesn't want to uh be a supervillain maybe, but um, I think that there's, there's two ways they run the risk of going the apocalypse route from the X-Men movies where it's sort of this like kind of shallow, super intense villain that we don't like, th- this was the thing that, that, that Marvel did well is that Thanos was, I won't say relatable, but we understood him as a, as yes. a character. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody liked what he was doing, but we, he was understandable as a character. He was built up over time as this sort of shadowy background, you know, turning his head, then we fight, start seeing him more. Like, he was built up really well. I think the problem with Kang is that, first of all, we know not everybody has seen Loki, and people want to see Loki. The Ant-Man movies don't do as well as the other movies. So, it, again, it's the idea of, like, how are we going to see Kang come up? Unless, all of a sudden, in the second phase, Kang is basically, you know, quote-unquote pulling the strings, or we see Jonathan Majors in different types of roles in different places. Um there's potential there. It, 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 it did surprise me because it's not the super villain that I would choose, to be honest, um, as being like the, the one of the main people. But the other thing about Kang is that he has nothing to do with Secret Wars, which also makes it very confusing <laughs> to me. Yeah, so, so sort of staying on there first with the, the Kang Dynasty one first, do you think there's maybe a way of introducing the character when we eventually get to Kang Dynasty or whatever other project they decide to do this at, 
uh, because he's taken up so many different mantles and identities that they maybe do a bit of a reveal of, hey, this you know uh, minor villain or whoever you think it was when it's played by a different actor is actually Kang in disguise the whole time. And that's sort of the reveal of how he was the mastermind of bringing everything together. You know, it's going to be that. I really wish it wasn't, but it's going to be that. Because that's the thing that would happen in the comics. It's a lot easier to be like reveal someone's face and it's actually this other person. But um, it seems the most likely, and I think that it's it's almost going to be like they're planning for retconning. Um, mm. But And, you know, it's great because we now know time travel exists in the universe and Kang's main thing is that he's a time traveler. And that's how the alternate versions come up, is that every time he goes to a new place, there's a new version of him, or new time, I mean. Um, and uh, And... Yeah, I think that's going to be, I think Quantumania will sort of show us the direction that things are going, but I do see some shows and stuff completely un- unrelated. Yes, uh, we'll, we'll get every fan group's favorite thing, retconning, as the major discussion point of whether or not this will work. But uh, the next one, Avengers Secret Wars, I know nothing about this at all, even less uh, than Kang and the other things coming about now. This sounds a lot like Secret Invasion, the title. The word secret is there. That's all I kind of can go about. Why is Secret Wars completely unrelated to Kang Dynasty, and how do you think that they will be able to connect it? Because they're they're announcing it almost like it's a two-part, like they did with uh, Endgame and Infinity War, and that sort of thing of like, oh, it's, it's two parts of the same story. Okay, so Secret Wars is complicated. So there's two Secret Wars in the Marvel comics. There was one from the 80s, which was um, like it was kind of earth shattering. Like it, it, so around the same time that DC was doing Christ on the infinite earth, which was their big crossover. This was Marvel's big crossover and it was huge. It changed a bunch of stuff about characters in ways that are sort of um, not in like huge life altering ways, but really in ways that just change the characters for the better and kind of change the characterizations of those characters for the last 40 years, pretty much. Um, you know, the, the most famous is, is Spider-Man's uh, black suit. That was a big thing that came from it, but also just, it was really the first big time where Marvel brought all of their main heroes and main villains together. And literally the story is there is a character called the Beyonder who is like, these, these, all these heroes and villains are really interesting. I'm going to put them all, I'm going to teleport them all away from earth and put them on a place called battle world. And all of them are going to fight. And that's literally the story of secret wars in the eighties. And it's great because it's really entertaining because you're seeing characters that like, you know, the Avengers are here with the X-Men with the, with fantastic four with Spider-Man and they're all working together in ways that they didn't really work together before. And then uh, recently there was another secret wars, which had the same name, but was a very, it, it was sort of a, like a different version of the story. And that was in 2015. And the idea with that is that there, the, the multiverse is falling apart um, universes are crashing into each other called incursions, something that happened in the, in the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness movie was being talked about. And once all the universes uh, kind of collided and incurred, a new world called Battle World was born. Hey, it's the same name as the one from the 80s. Um, and essentially the same thing. So all of these fragments of universes came together. Every universe that Marvel had had at that point, the Ultimate Universe, um, 1602, 2099, all these different ones kind of smushed together. Again, characters fighting each other. It was across all these comic books. It was basically just an excuse to bring everyone together and also to set a new kind of status quo. So the outcome was that there was more than one Spider-Man, Miles Morales and regular Spider-Man, which I'm I'm hoping that that's a way to introduce Miles Morales, for instance, into the live action world. Like those types of things, it was a way to bring a lot of people together, but it's complicated. And the other big thing is that Reed Richards, Miss Fantastic, is a very significant character. Like so significant, him and Doom are basically the main characters of this. Obviously there's a lot of other main people uh black panther doctor strange 
Um, there's a character called Molecule Man who's really important. Spider-Man's a key character. Some X-Men's are, X-Men characters are key characters. So I think what they're going to do is take all this nerdiness <laughs> together. They're going to push the two ideas of the two stories together. They're going to use a more recent version with the incursions where I think all the universes fall apart and then it's one universe and then the universe is re- reborn as a single version or something like that. But what's going to be interesting to see is who do they make the main characters? This is a lot more... It's a lot easier to figure out what it what it's going to be. But again... Kang has nothing to do with it. He's he's a character in the original Secret Wars. He's one of the villains, um, but it's it's going to be complicated. And I think I actually think we're being misled. To be honest, I think that we're going to see Secret Wars, but I think the whole phase is going to be Secret Wars. Um, I think that that things will be pushed back a bit. More movies will be put in to sort of even things out because we have so many different stories across the TV shows and movies. We have the mystical side um, and like, you know, Blade is about vampires and all that stuff. We have the the deep space stuff from Eternals and Guardians of the Galaxy. We have the magic side. We have so many other things and to try to bring those together in a meaningful way is going to be difficult. So I have no idea what this movie is going to look like. I think that there's a lot of potential, but I think it's going to be really confusing. Okay. I am definitely now more confused than I was before. And sorry, that really helped me. (laughs) No, that's all right. And and I, and I totally see what you're what you're getting at, and I I assume the TV shows will probably end up having to do a lot of the heavy lifting to set things up, won't it? I think they'll have to. Um, I think uh, I think that we're going to learn certain things that will that by the time we meet Reed Richards, like Mister Fantastic and Fantastic Four, enough is already in motion that we can just trust that he's because the idea is that Reed Richards is basically the the smartest human on earth. Um, and I think we need to trust that he is so that there's some reasoning why it's all going to be connected to each other. But that's the problem with some of these more isolated stories or things that are more quote unquote ground level, which is one of the things talked about Daredevil a lot. It's like, how is that going to connect with, you know, these, uh, these, these big movies coming later? Yeah, so I, I have no idea how that's all going to work out. Uh, so that's what we have the slate announced so far. But as you said, more titles are probably going to be announced. We don't really know what. Uh, I know Marvel is actually pretty good at not revealing a title if it's going to be a spoiler for an upcoming movie or TV show. So like you said, we're probably going to get some more in this time period, whether they're phase five or six uh, properties. We don't really know where it'll probably be, you know, after movie is done, we'll get introduced to a new character and end credits and be like, and by the way, this is their new TV show that is coming out uh, in two months sort of thing. We've secretly been filming it the whole time. Who knows how that's going to work out? Uh, but you you really do believe that more titles are going to be announced in the phases five and six, right? Yes, and definitely for phase six. Um, there's I know Disney has, I think, I think six or seven movie slots on their calendar up to the end of 2025 that are not filled. Um, I think by, I mean, D23 is is in a couple weeks from when we're recording this. So I think a lot of answers will be slotted out there, but I don't think we'll get a ton of new show or movie announcements at this point. It's really just that we know more is coming period. Yeah. On, on the Wikipedia page of the list of, of MCU movies, they have a section called future, which is movies that don't really have any sort of information it includes an untitled Deadpool team, uh, at, uh, 
an untitled Deadpool film, which we've got Sean Levy coming on to direct it, who's worked a lot with Ryan Reynolds, but it's the same writing team coming back. Uh, untitled Chang-Chi in the Legend of the Ten Rings sequel, which Destin Daniel Cretton is coming back to direct the sequel of that. He is being tapped to direct the Kang Dynasty, sort of taking over the Russo brothers, it looks like, as being the, the go-to Marvel guy to helm the bigger projects. An untitled Eternal sequel, sequel with Chloe Zhao coming back as uh, she did the first one. And then uh, probably the most vague one, Untitled Mutant-Centered Film. Now, we've long been rumored at some sort of X-Men crossover. Deadpool would indicate that there is more X-Men stuff coming in. In uh, Thor Love and Thunder in the Illuminati sequence, we do get a glimpse of Professor Charles Xavier with the great Patrick Stewart coming in for a very brief cameo there. Is that what we should maybe ex- expect for a untitled mutant centered film? Um, yeah, it's going to be X-Men. I actually think that, that the, the, the next three phases will probably lead to Avengers versus X-Men, which is another big crossover. I think that we're, there's been a few times where we've seen recently where, where Marvel has said, you know, mutants exist in the universe, but we're not bringing in the X-Men yet. And I think that they, they're trying to push it off until the end of the phase six or, or having them be introduced in phase six as sort of a smaller entity because they are like, there's so many stories to tell with X-Men. There's a lot of really great X-Men characters. Um, but I think this is a great opportunity to finally recast everyone to, to finally say goodbye to Hugh Jackman, to say goodbye to Patrick Stewart and even James McAvoy, like just get new people in, have a new, new group of X-Men uh, characters, but I think they need to take time to do that. But I do feel, you know, they said a, mar- a mutant movie is coming. It's not anytime soon in my mind. Oh, come on. You think that they're going to just do away with the cast when that's an easy cash cow to bring back, you know, Halle Berry or Hugh Jackman or someone like that? Come on. It's expensive. And and <laughs> and will those people agree to, you know, being in seven or eight movies over 10 years? And that's, yeah, that's the thing yeah. is, is okay, I'll agree to it, but I need $100 million. Hugh Jackman could easily ask for, for the whole piggy bank for Marvel to be able to come back. Um, and I think that, that now is the time, just like they tried to do with the, the first class series. Uh, and, and, you know, now we have a new, we have a new Helmer and there's so many great stories that have already been told in the movies that I think Marvel will do better. Um, like Dark Phoenix is a great example of that. I would love to see Marvel's version take on that. And I think we'll see some TV shows that might help flesh that out as well, but I don't think it's coming anytime soon. You're saying we're really going to get a third edition of the Dark Phoenix uh, story because they they butchered it twice now. Nothing will ever compare to the version of it in the 90s uh, animated show, which is also on Disney+. Plus. That one is excellent. Um, I can see it happening because it's one of the most important stories in the X-Men, in kind of the X-Men you know, mythos, I guess I could say. But there's, there are a lot of, there's a lot of potential there, and I think that we're not going to see it soon. Okay. Uh, and then there's the uh, the idea of some characters who have now been introduced, but we haven't been hearing about where else they are going to pop up. You know, uh, in the uh, Hawkeye TV series, Haley Steinfeld had a pretty big part as Kate Bishop. She hasn't been announced to be in any other movies yet or TV shows. Not too sure. Because I haven't seen it, I can't really comment too much about that. Is she going to show up again? And then you also have in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in the end credit scene, we got Clea, who is being portrayed by Charlize Theron, who talked about incursions. Is she going to show up again? At the end of Thor Love and Thunder, we got Hercules being played by Brett Goldstein, which literally, I didn't like that movie very much, but when he showed up, I got so excited. Both uh, my wife and I like looked at each other and were like, oh my God, it's Roy F. and Kent. 
Uh, for any fans of uh, of Ted Lasso, you would know what that means. Uh, so yeah, what, what's happening with some of these characters? Do you think they're going to get their own projects? Are they going to pop up in other projects? What, what's going on? I think that we're going to look back in three or four years and be like, oh yeah, I remember when they had a cameo bit in this other thing? <laughs> um, yeah. Most of them are going to show up. Uh, I think, to be honest, I think a lot of the characters that we're not sure about, they're going to be in Thunderbolts, like we talked about earlier, um, because mm-hmm. that's a way to get them in. Okay, they've been introduced. We don't know much about them. Let's just put them in a team, and that's how we'll get to know them. Um the the character like Charlize Theron's character in particular is going to play I think a big role in some some small parts here and there I actually could see her showing up in in Quantumania um, because the incursions are what lead to Secret Wars in the most more recent version of that um, so I think that's there I think the big one for me is um, is going to be uh, the character of Arrows from the end of Eternals. Um, Yes, Eternals isn't a good movie, and I'll be the first to say, and that's why I don't think Chloe Zhao is coming back for it for it either, because I don't think it was necessarily even her. I think it was just it was too hard to say. Here's ten new characters and a whole new realm of this universe that we've never told you about before. Okay, go. Um, but that reveal of Harry Styles at the end was was you know a nice surprise, um, and I think that there is a lot of potential, uh, a lot of potential for that character, or even if he's involved with Guardians of the Galaxy, and then there's an offshoot of that because there's been talk of a Nova movie, which is also another like space thing. Um, and then with uh, with Hercules, Hercules is a hilarious character, especially in the video in any of the video games because he's so out of place. He's basically just super strong guy from the past and he's here with all the other heroes um which i think actually makes that casting work really well and so i think that there's some potential but i have no idea what it's going to look like yeah uh one small correction chloe Zhao has already been announced to do the eternal sequel well then she's coming back then (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i i agree there there's a lot of of mystery and thunderbolts probably does seem like a good way to bring everyone back especially if there may be more of a gray character of are they the good guy or are they a bad guy sort of thing uh and with with eros it's going to be interesting because he's thanos's brother we get that idea of well, is he going to be more Thanos or is he going to be more Gamora, who is Thanos's daughter, who is, you know, on the good side of things? So it's interesting that he could probably play something in the middle there. Um, I I don't know enough about my uh, mythology to talk about what the Eros character is like. Uh and especially what his Marvel character is like as well. But we also get uh, Patton Oswald, who is his assistant, Pip the Troll, um, which I love Patton Oswald, so that'll be fun to have him involved. Oh, definitely. And I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, at the end of the Eternals movies, there's fewer characters, which is easier to manage. Um, if maybe the, the Eternal sequels is really is really like, okay, it's Eros and, and these these couple of people who basically survived the first movie out in space which might make it a lot better because it didn't really make sense as an earth down movie especially because as marvel fans love to say at the end of the movie a gigantic basically robot appeared in the in the middle of the ocean and no one has said anything since so like (laughs) it's better if they just get off planet and deal with their own stuff very very true that sort of wraps up all of the Marvel news that we have going on right now, I know that was sort of a lot to handle and in my head sort of swimming a little bit. Do you feel that we have a bit of a clear picture or do we need to wait until D23 to really understand more? I think D23 is mostly going to be cast and director announcements. I don't think it's going to be filling in gaps 
uh, in the schedule yet. Um, if you remember a couple years ago, because there was no D23 and they, there was no Comic-Con, they did a Disney Investor Day, um, which is in, I think it was November, December. I don't think we'll see that in the same way, but I think Disney's going to, going to be, we're going to be seeing more, more frequently over the next year. Um, because the biggest thing is the Disney Plus shows, they're, they're a little like, you know, they say, okay, it's coming August. It comes August. So I think we're going to start seeing more, but it's not necessarily going to tell us more until those things come out. <laughs> okay. So maybe just, uh, casting announcements, creatives behind the scenes, and maybe some first looks, uh, is a thing to really expect. I anticipate very little in the first look category, maybe a trailer to, um, Quantumania or Guardians of the Galaxy at most. Um, really not, not that much though. I mean, Comic-Con was last month and D23 is next month. Like that's, that's a, a big separation. And the panel where Marvel stuff is being talked about is also where they're talking about Star Wars and uh, Disney live action and all this other stuff. So it's not just, you know, a two hour of just Marvel. So there's a lot for them to, to talk about. Well, I think that wraps up the show for today. Uh, Sammy, we actually did get a Suicide Squad reference in, but it actually fit in with the topic. Did you notice that? I did notice. I didn't say anything, and I will continue to not say anything. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Sammy, thank you so much for coming on. I always appreciate you uh, filling in all my many gaps with the MCU, and I feel like you probably have helped set a lot of people up for what to come. Hopefully what to come will be success and not, not upsetness. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Well, you can follow this show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoom pod. Let us know your thoughts of all the recent Marvel announcements. Send an email to ContraZoomPod at gmail.com. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music and to Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. If you'd like to listen to podcasts on YouTube, we do post all episodes there as well. Thanks for checking us out.